Welcome to Venturesome, the podcast about being fiercely ambitious, brave, and curious. I'm Rachel Esterline Perkins, and we're talking about how to get a step ahead in your career. This podcast is all about taking risks, overcoming uncertainty, and being creative in our lives and careers. This episode features Lily Allen Duenas. Lily wears a lot of hats, which she'll talk about during our conversation about balancing life and work and setting healthy boundaries to prevent burnout. Before we jump in, I want to encourage you to check out Venturesome on Patreon. You can become a patron for as little as $1 per month. Venturesome patrons can get access to featured worksheets, a career advancement workbook, coffee chats, resume critiques, and even career coaching. This month, I've shared self-reflection and value-setting worksheets to help you become more self-aware and intentional as you grow your career. On the horizon, we'll be sharing questions to ask when interviewing for jobs, questions to ask your new colleagues when you're building relationships and trust, and much more. Learn more at patreon.com slash venturesomepod or find the link at venturesomepod.com. Now we're going to jump into this conversation with Lily and be sure to check out the blog to links to the websites she mentions during our episode. I would love to have you introduce yourself, Lily, and give us a little bit about your background and your interests. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Rachel, for having me on today. So my name is Lily Allen Duenas, and I am the Interim Executive Director of the State of Women Institute. It's a global nonprofit uh, meant to help amplify women's voices globally. So women and girls all around the world providing more opportunities for education, mentorship, conferences, and we have this fantastic app out called Sheconomy. It's spelled a little funny. So hopefully Rachel will put that in the show notes for everyone. And that is a podcasting platform that's on Apple, Android, and Kios. So uh, available on those $10, you know, phones globally, uh, which is fantastic. And that's podcast by women produced for women and just for women. And what's great is there's this listen, learn and earn function where you can listen to podcasts and earn digital currency, which is fantastic, especially for women who haven't been perhaps included financially or empowered even before. So that's my work side. I'm also a freelance copywriter and graphic designer. I do websites. I do all sorts of things. And I'm a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher, which I love and adore and uh, really is, is core to who I am. And I think it gives that holistic look at you as a professional, which brings us into our next question, because I think you, you know, you just talked about your work and your life. And last time we talked, we talked a little bit about balancing life and work. So I'd love for you to share your philosophy on that. Mm, Yes. Um, I have this philosophy where it is life work balance. It is not a work life balance. It's very crucial for me to kind of flip those words around to make sure we're putting life before work. 
I know this has probably been said a million times, but we're human beings. We're not human doings. And too often we mix up (laughs) our uh, identity with our work. It's the first thing we say, oh, who are you? Oh, I'm Lily. What do you do? It's, it's immediately the, the next thing we go to is always work. And so we can confuse our worth for what we produce and for our work. And so for putting it first, even in just the whole concept of work-life balance, if that comes first, then we're putting ourselves, our families, our friends, our, our love, our passions, our care, that all comes second. And um, so my philosophy is always life first, work second. (laughs) And you probably have seen the effects of people prioritizing work over life, especially and like yoga and meditation when people are trying to look within themselves and and find a little bit more balance or clarity in their life. Is that something that you've noticed? Absolutely. On the yoga mat or on the meditation cushion, even for myself, it's a huge struggle to not think about the, my workload or a deliverable I'm working on, it does come up. It's the nature of the human mind to be focused and be drawn to, you know, the future or the past. (laughs) And we are, we're kind of running away from the present. And so it is a great practice during yoga and meditation to work on setting boundaries and setting space around our own life and our own personal time and our time for self-care and nurturing and nourishing our bodies that should not be invaded by work. It's so important that those are separate. And to have this daily practice, or if someone can practice intermittently, of course, but to cultivate time actively where we are protecting our free time and prioritizing our self-care and our time for, as I said, nurturing and nourishing the body, that's a wonderful thing uh, to help generate more life work balance in a mindful way. So this story might make you cringe a little bit, but when I was at CMU several years ago, I was taking a yoga and meditation class. And I remember uh, being on the mat and it was during the meditation time. And I started thinking about work and I had to like pull out my phone and like jot something down really quick. And I'm like, all the yoga people are going to kill me. Um, but you know, I, I recognize that was a very bad practice at that time. I definitely did not uh, make balance a priority. I would say it very much at all. And so, yeah, I think that that's a great reminder that when you're on the mat, you really need to be focused solely on just yourself in that moment and not what's happening back at the office and what's happening to someone else in another office, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a muscle. We have to practice our brain muscles (laughs) of kind of setting those boundaries because it's not natural for us necessarily to to turn off all the way and separate our our work, especially now during the pandemic uh, when we're all working remotely and with technology where people can get a hold of us at any time of the day. There's no, you exit the office, you turn off your your desktop computer and you're gone. That's not how it is anymore in our cultures and societies. So we need to practice the muscle of turning off our minds from the workplace. And I do think yoga and meditation are are fantastic ways of doing that. So is exercise. So is playing board games, right? Anything that can get our focus off of of work. But it, it does take, I think, a conscious effort for a lot of us to separate and mindfulness um, and cultivating those practices are key in kind of building those muscles to be able to separate effectively. 
Yeah, that's a great tip because I I definitely can think of times where, you know, the constant connection makes you constantly anxious and I've received, you know, an email and then a follow-up text and then a follow-up Teams message and that kind of thing. You know, you ignore the first one and then the next one. And then finally you're like, well, I guess I, you know, I'll go back to my computer. And so it makes it really hard for you to turn off at the end of the day. And I think that really leads us into the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, and that's boundaries, which you've mentioned a little bit already. So just to start out, why should people set boundaries, particularly at work? Mm, Good question. So I'll just start by defining boundaries as what is okay and what is not okay. It's, It's just that simple. What is okay with you and what's not? So when we set no boundaries at work or professionally, it means that people can come at us from all directions. They can create expectations for us and then develop habits and patterns around those expectations, even if it's is okay or not okay. If, if we're not saying it, we can't expect them to, to know or acknowledge or realize what is okay. And if we're not, we're also generating a lot of resentment. And that's pretty toxic in a work environment. If you start to resent your team or hold your manager in contempt, that generates a lot of negativity in the workplace and also in our own hearts, minds, and bodies to to constantly be resenting and holding people in contempt, feeling like we're attacked when people are messaging us. But if we don't set those boundaries, how are they supposed to know? So that's why I think it's really crucial to, to start off from a place of boundary setting. And how can you really be intentional about setting those boundaries? I think a great time to set them is right at the start of a new job, but you know, some people might've been in a job for a while. So how can you best set those boundaries from the start? And then I'd love to hear how can we set boundaries if maybe we didn't set them at the start? So if we're at the start of an employment, a start of a contract, even before the contract is signed, that's when I like to actually, if I can get in the contract, written my boundaries, because of course there is a quote that I I love and adore. And I would love to open the conversation about around boundaries with this. It's the only people who get upset when you set boundaries are those who benefited from you having none. Yep. The only people who don't want you to have boundaries are those who benefit when you just don't have them. If they can reach you night and day, if they, if you can deliver something at 4 a.m. or 2 a.m., if you can respond quickly to action decision-making at one o'clock in the morning, or if you can put in the 60 hours of work, work week, your, your employer or your manager will benefit from that in the short term. Uh, that of course will lead to burnout. Absolutely. And that will lead to resentment and negative teen energy. Your, your productivity might even decrease. So boundary setting is, is actually a really good thing, especially for managers and bosses to model, but for a team to follow and respect. It, it's about respect, about mutual respect that we have lives outside of work and we need to prioritize our health, our wellness, our families. Those are very deserving. And when we disregard someone's boundaries, we're essentially saying, your life is not important. You're only, you're only important as this email you can send or as this graphic you can create. And that's, that's dangerous. So I do think if you can set the contract to have in those hours, if you, let's say you're not sure if this is a job that will expect you to work 40 hours a week or not, 
that should be in the contract written. How many hours overtime, how that is treated should be in the contract. If there's uh, maybe your accountant and you have a very busy season, that should also be in the contract. What, um, what expectations are there around certain months of the year, right? Or certain events happening? Because certainly like boundaries are, should be very firm, but if there needs to be an extenuating circumstance, then of course we should be able to model and, and allow some generosity and some flexibility. But if it's not extenuating circumstances, we need to be very firm and have that written into the contract if possible. Also in the contract, I would recommend if it's not written, then at least that discussion before it's signed about hours availability for email, like a emergency contact, you know, saying I will only be available and responding emails from nine to five. If if it's an absolute emergency, an emergency is qualified as a fire, an earthquake, a a website shutting off completely, like a true emergency, you can also kind of cover as well. Or if that not being treated uh, correctly, that's easy to correct later on. But I, I would recommend during the contract signing period, negotiation about benefits or any other thing that that's when I think it's a really excellent time to say, all right, talk to me about your workplace culture. Talk to me about your communication styles. Are you an organization that celebrates exhaustion and overwork? you know, do you feel like that's part of your company culture? You can ask those questions even as early as the first or second interview as well. I think that garners a lot of respect. From the interviewer, if you're able to kind of come forward with some of these hard-hitting questions about, is your workplace a healthy environment for me to be in? Yeah, definitely. And I I think that there might be some initial worries about bringing that up by some people. Like, what if they think I'm asking, I don't want to work, you know? But I think that if it's a job that they have that perception like, oh, you don't want to work 80 hours a week. That means you don't want to work. Then maybe it's not a place that you want to work anyway. Uh, So you're setting that boundary before you even start the job. Then maybe you don't take the job because it's going beyond your boundaries. Absolutely. As you said, it's about a match, it being a good fit. As I mentioned to you before, Rachel, it's like when we go on a date and we're in the dating scene, often a woman, a friend of mine will, you know, friends will always say, Oh, what if he doesn't like me? Oh, what if he doesn't like me? Oh, I'm so worried. It's it's actually, what if you don't like him? And what if he doesn't like you? Yes, it, but it goes both ways. And so I do think when we're interviewing, we need to remember we're not just interviewing, uh, being interviewed for a job. We're interviewing the company as well. Uh, is it a good fit for us? Because it's very hard sometimes to exit a job once we are in it. Uh, you know, you get enmeshed and onboarding and you you get overloaded or you start to feel pressures and then it's it's harder to build momentum sometimes to exit once we're already in so it's important if at all possible to to be very clear with that as you said but if you are in an organization that does work 80 hours a week and that is a priority for you you're you're a huge hustler I'm not scorning you for overworking I'm just saying is that okay with you that's a really good point because you can be okay with working more than just 40 hours a week. And, you know, I previously had run campaigns and so like campaign season was always insane. And you, you knew that it was going to be more than a regular work week during that time. And it was just making sure that you found the balance during other times of the year to make sure you had that. Another thing I was thinking about as you were talking was 
clients, you know, if you have clients or you are in a role that has a client service component and I am sure you have clients, so you can really speak to this. How do you manage that? Because I think some clients probably do think, well, I'm paying you, so you should be available to me 24-7. Oh, that's that's funny. I don't think I do have a single client that expects me to be there 24-7. I think it's understood maybe from just an energetic time, uh, way of explaining, but I, I do generally, you can also, mm, this is coming out messy, but I think you can set a boundary with any client you have in the initial phases, just saying, I will respond to any request within 48 hours on a working day, or I, you can expect me to respond within 24 hours during the work week and then action any requests within 48 hours or something. You, you can definitely kind of set that up. And I don't think that's uncommon. I don't feel like a client would be shocked that they can't reach you. But a lot of my clients, they're global. So we're all on different time zones. So that makes things difficult when the easiest time to meet on their schedule is at nine o'clock at night on my schedule. But that's, that's part of also being a freelancer and being flexible. And if you want to prioritize that, or if you want to be okay with that, you can. Uh, and I am to a certain extent, like I will keep my phone on airplane until I'm finished with yoga and meditation in the morning. I will never take my phone off of airplane before 10 AM. That's, that's my rule. You can't get a hold of me. I don't even know it's happening, but I need to make sure I'm doing my morning routine and, and having that time. That's so important. But I do know I have to take a couple of evening calls after dinner. That's the give and the take. And at my phase in my life right now, totally okay with that. But were I to have a child or were you know things to shift with my husband's work schedule, then maybe I would have to redefine some of my priorities and my boundaries. And that's okay to revise them as life circumstances and situations arise. I absolutely love your tip on turning airplane mode uh, on your phone. That's something that I always do, like if I'm getting a massage or something. But the idea of turning it on during yoga and meditation is perfect because I I never thought of doing that, you know, here at home. It just was when I've gone out and I'm like, oh, I want to make sure nobody calls me during this time because I can't get to my phone. Uh, So that's a really great tip. And I think also just to summarize, you know, one of the biggest part of boundary setting, it sounds like, is the expectation setting and getting that out in the open before you really start something. Absolutely. Expectations are crucial because if we're left guessing, um, that's, I think when the danger just, just comes in, when we feel used or mistreated or attacked or hurt, it's, it's just dangerous to have the wrong expectations, even for your, your husband, your partner, your friend, if, if we're not on the same page, I think that things can definitely go awry. And I do did want to recommend that if any readers were curious about getting to know or readers, any listeners were curious to get more information on boundary setting. My favorite boundary queen is Brene Brown. I'm not sure if that's a familiar household name now. I hope so. Uh, but she has a couple of fantastic books. Well, a lot, all of her books are fantastic. But I found that Gifts of Imperfection and Braving the Wilderness in particular were very good talking about boundary settings. She has great definition, awesome research to pull from, and she kind of teaches us how to flex our courage muscles, which I think is always something we need to do, especially professionally. Definitely. She has great podcasts as well. I love listening to her talk. So I definitely, if you are a reader, her books are great. I've read a couple of her books as well, uh, and her podcasts are great. And she even has her Netflix special. So there's so many different ways you can consume uh, Brene Brown. Yes. 
So I did want to just pass on a few quick tips on boundary settings, just kind of rapid fire here. Um, I wanted to recommend that it's important to use your vacation days, plan those well in advance. It lets you look forward to them. It anticipation is garnered. It's awesome. Definitely use the vacation days. Also, I really advise people to track how they're spending their hours each week. I keep an Excel spreadsheet and I manage, you know, every even 15 minutes, sometimes I'm blocking and I'm saying what I'm achieving, what I'm delivering. I find it's very useful to share that with an employer or just to keep it for personal. So you know how productive you are being, how efficient and also just time management. Uh, You can also include on that Excel spreadsheet, your personal life. You can include your workouts. You could even include your nutrition for the day. You know, you can just structure it, but just having a better idea, it takes away those blurry vision that we can have around boundaries. It, It just gives us concrete attention to what's actually happening during those hours. Tracking is key. And then I do advise to turn your phone on airplane, especially in the mornings. I think that's key. Do not allow yourself to be accessible before the time you want to be accessible. And if it is giving you anxiety, knowing that emails are still coming in and you're not getting to them, maybe around dinner time in the evening when you want to be on your phone, want to be scrolling on Instagram or something, or watching a Netflix, but you still get notifications on your iPad, something like that. I would recommend if you could request very kindly that your employer delay sends, it's very easy to delay send a Gmail or an Outlook, it's, it's just literally one button click. If they can delay send and say, could you just delay send? You know, I'm noticing that I feel like I'm getting a little extra stressed in the evenings when I see emails come in. Can you delay send for me from now on? That might be a little bit of a learning curve for that person. Hopefully it's a two minute learning curve that saves you a lot of anxiety <laughs> and stress. So communicate up front, create these clear structures. We're actually saying specific hours, track those hours. And then just keep those relationships professional. I also advise that for boundary setting. You are not legally required to disclose a lot, a lot of information that I think we openly just kind of say on the fly. So I think it's important to understand you don't have to say if you're sick, you know, you you can just say, "I, I need a personal day. There's a lot of things you don't have to disclose. And I think if you give people too much information, then it can blur the boundaries again you start to feel more like the relationship has shifted. And when the relationship shifts, then you can feel like, oh, I owe them something. I feel bad for them. It becomes more of an emotional investment versus professional. And I think having good relationships at work is fantastic, but just not letting them impinge on your life is key. Yeah. Those are really great tips. And I love the time management one, because it can help you see where you're spending maybe not enough time or too much time. I previously have used a tool called Toggle, T-O-G-G-L, and it has like a start and stop button. And then at the end of the week, it gives you a basically a graph, a pie graph that because you can code like this is social media work. This is you know a different kind of work. And that was really helpful in a previous job for me where my role was supposed to be primarily social media. And I took the graph to my boss and I said, here is a look at my week. And that tiny little orange sliver is my social media part of my job. And this is all the other stuff. These are all these committees I have been placed on and work that is outside of, you know, my regular scope, which I'm always happy to do. 
But if we want to do more on social media, I either need more time or I need more resources. And so it was a great way to communicate. So whether you're using a spreadsheet, I love spreadsheets as well. Uh, So I would definitely be someone who would use a spreadsheet. But if that sounds too intimidating to someone, a tool where you can literally press a red button that start, stop, and then you just put a description and choose a category. It's very easy and uh, it's fun to see the data at the end of the week as well. That's brilliant. I mean, even for a whole, you know, your whole day, your whole week for you to reflect as well as how much time did you spend, you know, relaxing versus exercising, cooking versus working, uh, time spent with family and friends, even on the phone. I think that's incredible. What an awesome resource. I'm going to look into that, Rachel. (laughs) Thank you (laughs) for sharing. And then also, it sounds like it's a great tool for negotiation and a huge reality check because managers and bosses, they're not sitting and watching us work all day. I think things can sometimes get out of touch, especially when they think, oh, she must be just 20 hours a week on social media. As you said, you're like, well, actually it's two hours (laughs) given all the other expectations and given the scope of my work, it's just so, so different than what it initially was maybe at the beginning or initially just thought to be. So thank you, Rachel. I will definitely look into using that myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'll like it. Another tip that I would add on to your tips is uh, looking at your phone notifications. So I recently went into my settings and I turned off a lot of notifications because every notification kind of makes you tense up, right? I also removed social media from my phone. So I either have to use it from a computer browser or I have to log in to the browser on my phone, which just makes it way more inconvenient. So I am spending less time on social media. And then when I changed jobs, I actually went through my phone and changed my notification dings. So, you know, you kind of learn to associate a certain type of ding to a certain type of text message. And, uh, you know, I had previously worked in a really high stress job. So it was really helpful for me to change like the calendar notification because I went from having a lot of client meetings to more so meetings that are internal that I have honestly set up myself. So they, I know exactly what's involved in these meetings. And so they were a lot less stressful, but I was hearing the same ding and, uh, you know, it's like Pavlov's dog, I guess, you know, I was like having a reaction to those. So I went through and changed those and it was really helpful. And it, it just helps with that feeling of changing your mindset when you're moving from one role to another role. Yeah. Those are all such great tips. Another, another thing that I think we can talk about is how bosses and managers can help manage boundaries. So I was reading a book or a blog, I was reading something and they were talking about how a boss would set boundaries within her own office by at the end of the day. So it's like five or five 30, she would just send a slack to the whole team and say, Hey, everybody signing off for the night, you know, hope you all have a great evening to set that expectation that you end your day because people were feeling like they needed to stay online for longer than they they needed to. And so this gave people the opportunity to say, well, the boss has left. And so we shouldn't feel like we need to stay. So she was setting that expectation that you end your day. So I thought that was really a great way for a boss to try to signal that, especially as we're all working virtually. So what are some tips you would have for new managers who are trying to help their employees set boundaries? 
Oh, I love it when new managers want to help their employees set boundaries. That is music to my ears. <laughs> I would definitely advise having an open conversation one-on-one with people. I think having that personal conversation, just saying, hey, uh, I'm really concerned about creating a healthy work environment. That's top priority for me. And I acknowledge burnout is real. Like the Workforce Institute um, reported in 2021 that 43% of employees are concerned about burnout. So we're concerned about it and we know about it. And that the fact that the manager can talk to us about it is incredible. So saying, hey, uh, I would like to have that open conversation with you. I'd love to hear more. Please know I really just am seeking to understand how your workflow works and how communication and our communication styles can be better aligned for just everything to be healthy, healthier, happier, and more sustainable. Awesome. I think anybody, any manager who can ask an employee that gets a gold star or 10, 10 hundred gold stars. <laughs> uh, so ask the questions and then have those one-on-one conversations. And then maybe in a team meetings, acknowledge like, Hey, we all had these one-on-ones. It was fantastic. I understand now that delayed send messaging or actual sign off, you know, ascending group sign offs at five 30 or as having specific kind of workflow structures in place and systems is going to better help us as a team function. And I just wanted us all to know together that I will be signing off every day at 530. I expect you all to sign off at 530. If you need to stay late, that's fine, but just try not to exceed an hour, you know, just being very clear about the time. I think time is key, but also the communication. So just saying the delayed send. And I know that I'm pretty sure that Ariana Huffington has implemented her organization that if you're on vacation, your email is blocked. Like a single email cannot go through. It will, it will, it is a hundred percent shut off. So I thought that was fantastic because research has shown us like just how you talked about Pavlov and all the notifications is that if we're on vacation and we know emails are still being sent to us, we experience anxiety or stress, or we are anticipating, oh my gosh, I'm going back in one week and I'm going to have a hundred emails. Can you imagine knowing you go back to work and you don't have one email? Like everybody, the team has stepped up and helped out or everything has been delayed message sent so that you're going to have to just check in on, on that day. Like that's incredible. So I think there is a lot of room for innovation with boundary settings and in every individual workplace. There's so many technologies, like you mentioned, Toggle, that we can also be implementing to kind of protect our free time better as well. Having Slack channels is great. You know, I know I one of my workflows for a client is on WhatsApp, which isn't preferred because that's where I talk to my family as well and my friends. But as you said, with notifications, you can mute conversations. So you won't get a notification ever if they message you. You have to actively open the message. So I just think being mindful about notifications and not connecting maybe your work email, if you have a specific work email or Asana boards or something, not connecting that to your personal phone, keeping that only on browsers, as you said, just setting yourself up for kind of protection, like safeguard your life, your life comes before work and you will be more productive and efficient, happier and healthier. If you have these structures and systems in place, I promise. So what if you never set boundaries and you are two or three years into a job and you're listening to this episode, how can you start uh, taking some steps to set those boundaries that you've allowed to not exist? That's a great question, Rachel. If that is a listener out there, my heart goes out to you. I, I know you, I've been you. I think that 
if it's been years and you've never had that conversation before, you're used to and accustomed to not having boundaries and the people around you are probably similar. I don't know what kind of individual amount of resentment is there or contempt or how much you're hurting. Of course, I don't know. But what I would advise anybody to do is maybe get more resources, like start coming, getting prepared, getting ready for that conversation or how you want to handle it. As I mentioned, Brene book, uh, Braving the Wilderness. There's also a lot of other books and resources out there. There's coaches who can coach you through conversations. There's amazing psychologists and therapists who can also help you prepare in a more mindful and heart-centered way how to have some of these critical conversations. There is a book, Critical Conversations, or Crucial, Crucial Conversations. It's incredible. Um, Really important work also for how to set a difficult conversation up for success. All the little tweaks we can make so that we're not making someone feel defensive and shut down. Listening is key. Why are we talking if no one is listening, right? Get resources, get prepared, practice, uh, practice the conversation with a loved one. And then I would advise setting up a one-on-one meeting with the manager or someone above you that you feel is an ally. If that person isn't your manager, you don't trust that that manager will hear you, then maybe there's someone in HR or maybe someone else on the team that you could then become allied with and then have maybe a team meeting instead to kind of say, hey, burnout isn't a new term and work-life balance, or as I say, life-work balance isn't a new phrase. You know, some I've had some changes in my life or something has come up and I, I would like to set some new work boundaries so that I could be more productive and more, you know, optimize my workload for this organization. If you can spin it, always say it's for the health and longevity and sustainability of the organization. That's always the way to do it. You don't have to make it in, you know, I have had a sick mom or I have, you know, it doesn't have to become something that again is kind of crossing that professional relationship boundary, (laughs) but it can be more, Hey, I would like to optimize how I'm functioning or everything, as I said, should be top of mind anyway, especially given COVID and the amount of shifting that we've all had to do from in-person to remote. Also all of the technology we've had to adopt, all the learning curves that have been there. I would really hope that work life, as I say, or as I say, life work balance and burnout and boundaries should be at least on everybody's radar. Yeah, definitely. I think that those are really great tips for starting that conversation because it's not a not going to be an easy conversation. Um, I would add the book Fierce Conversations is a really good one too. I am just finishing up that book and it's about having those kind of tough conversations as well. And the pandemic you could really use as a launch point where you could say, hey, we're a year into this pandemic. There's no end in sight really for us working remotely. And so I'd love to talk about setting boundaries so we can make sure that our team doesn't get burned out. And I have some ideas around that. I think that could be a a great starting point as well. Absolutely. I completely agree. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that we didn't get a chance to talk about today? No, I I think we covered uh, all the good stuff, all the juicy, fun uh, conversations around boundaries and life-work balance. But I will add that if anybody is interested in creating a little bit more life-work balance, I do teach yoga on Zoom and I'm offering private yoga classes as well. And so if you're interested in that, just get in contact with me, my email for yoga related activities is wildyogatribe.com. And I'm on social media everywhere at wildyogatribe. 
gmail, wildyogatribe at gmail.com. So reach out to me. I have a Calendly set up and we can, we can figure out a time to get you a little bit more in balance. Awesome. And where can people learn more about Sheikonomy and some of the other initiatives you're involved with right now? Absolutely. So the website is thestateofwoman.org and that's women, plural, not woman. So thestateofwoman.org and Sheikonomy spelled S-H-E-Q-O-N-O-M-I.com. So spelled a little wacky there again. So those are the two websites I'd recommend to learn more about what we're doing. Also, there is the Sheikonomy app. I said you can get download on the app store anywhere that you get your apps from. And lastly, we are doing our global conference series. It's an incredible event that we put on around every other month. So about six a year amplifying her voice. And so those are global virtual summits hosted on Hopin, which if you've ever used Eventbrite, it's similar. It's an amazing venue where we bring together about 200 speakers from around the world to speak on incredible and impactful topics like podcasting, the refugee crisis, health, humanity, uh, global conservation efforts. Like there's so many different panels and roundtables and discussions. It's just a powerhouse of amazing women that come together for these summits. And our next one comes up May 11th, 12th, and 13th of 2021. And then we will have a, a summit called Stronger Together, which is in honor of Father's Day. That is June 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. And of course, we do always invite anybody to attend. It is not just for women. It's for anyone who identifies anywhere on the feminine spectrum as well as trans cis um, and then for the father's day summit we are welcoming anybody whatsoever to speak our doors are open awesome and i will be sure to link to all of these sites on the blog so if anybody wants to jump on there to see anything so lily thank you so much for talking with me and I hope that this conversation is helpful for professionals. I think it was helpful for me. And also it makes me reflect on times where I did not set boundaries and uh, you live and learn, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Every day. Thanks for listening to VentureSum. I'd love to hear from you about the strategies you're using to get a step ahead or topics you'd like to hear me cover on the podcast. You can email me at venturesomepodcast at gmail.com or reach out on Twitter at venturesomepod.com.